can't go to the park. It's closed today because they're spraying for bugs. Do you want to live with creepy crawlers all over? I guarantee you don't. You really need to think about how you talk to me. You're disrespectful without even knowing my reasons why. You talk over me. You are allowed to have a, a voice here in 2018, you know? But it's like you're crossing the line on being disrespectful each and every time. I got a couple of kids I should have named Walter. <laughs> Some of you are married to a Walter right now. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have said that, right? All right, well, it's good to see you all. It's a blessing. I appreciate Doug letting me come preach. Of course, you know, I was scheduled to preach, so we went ahead and had me come preach still. So, and I always say this, <clears throat> I always tell you my story behind my sermon. I, maybe it'll help you out, but, you know, I have a good wife because uh, she knows my procrastination and she encouraged me and said, hey, you got that sermon, you know, about a month ago. I was like, hey, baby, I got it. I, I know it. I got the title. I got it. I know what I'm going to do. It's all right. And she was like, okay, I just encourage you. you know. <clears throat> Come Monday, I just could not get that thing together, what I thought I was going to preach. And so I pulled out another one. I said, hey, maybe this one, this is, a, I guess, a good one. And I worked on that, and I just could not, it could not work. And was, I was heading on Tuesday night. And I'm like, oh, man, Lord, <laughs> what am I going to do? And God gave me this passage. I actually had not, never thought of this passage this way. And, uh, and then this thing started clicking. Things just started falling together. And so I said, okay, God, I guess this is what you want me to do. And so I say that to encourage, you know, that uh, maybe you're here and God got you here to hear this. So I, if that's you, I hope this will be a blessing to you. I want to talk to you about waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. Um, it's probably one of the hardest things to do for Christians, wait on God. You know, uh, you ever had to drag a child around the store? Is this dragging your feet? I had one child that was like that. I had three that didn't, but one that I did. Sometimes you feel like God's just dragging his feet on you, right? Come on, Lord. It's a good thing. I'm praying for something right, or pray something good, or pray something I want, whatever it is. Waiting on God. It's hard. Probably a lot of the messes that we get ourselves in is because we didn't wait on God. Got ourselves in a mess. So I want to encourage you about waiting on the Lord. There's lots of scripture, lots of scripture about waiting on God. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord. Boys, Christians know this one, right? Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. In Psalm 37, it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and, feel, and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. 
For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Psalm 25 says, uh, Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. And sometimes all the week and all the month. And one person said all the decade <laughs> last uh, sermon. And someone else said all life, all your life sometimes you wait. Wait on the Lord. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season. That has the idea of a, of a, of a mother who giving birth to the child at the right time. In due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, Therefore do not lose heart. Again, he says, Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction. Isn't that funny God calls what you're going through a light affliction? Ah, that's nothing. It's a light affliction. We don't think it's a light affliction. A light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know, we have a saying, uh, this too shall pass. You ever heard of that? This too shall pass? This too shall pass. It's not scriptural. It's not scripture, but it's scriptural. The passage we just read, it talks about that. Yeah, you know what? These things will pass. Have faith and wait on God. They, they will pass. Don't lose heart. And I was encouraging a guy at work going through some stuff, and I told him, I said, hey, you know what? This too shall pass. And he said, yeah, like a kidney stone. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, you're right. Yeah, sometimes it's kind of painful. But what other choice you have but wait on the Lord? Now, our message that I want to bring to you is from John chapter 21. But before we get into that, I, I got to kind of set things up for you so you can see kind of what's going on and understand, um, I think, what the Scripture is trying to let us see. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 32, Jesus made this promise. He said, but, I am, he said, but after I am risen again... I will go before you into Galilee. And that's a promise he made. He, that's given five times in the scripture, both before and after the resurrection. This promise is given. I will meet you in Galilee. I will meet you. I got something for you. And he tells them that. There's something significant about that, that he te he's telling them uh, about this meeting. Now, later on in Matthew chapter 28, there's two chapters from Matthew chapter 26, right? Jesus has, they say, when the st students of the Bible kind of look at it and put it all together, they have um, around 10 appearances of Christ within the 40 days that he was here on earth or, or doing his ministry on earth after his resurrection. They say there's 10, 10 different appearances, okay? This one we're about to read right here is number eight. This is number eight. It says... In Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, then the 11 disciples, because Judas had, had already uh, killed himself. When the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, the, 
to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. Ah, this sounds like the promise that Jesus was talking about. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But look at this. But some doubted. Some doubted. After the eighth time of seeing Christ risen from the dead, seeing the nail-scarred hands and the piercing his side, all that he did, and the Bible even said he did great miracles, some still doubted. Now, I don't think they doubted that he was risen or doubted that he was God, but they doubted his plan. They doubted this thing called the kingdom of heaven. They didn't really know if Jesus knew what he was doing. You ever felt like God, you didn't think God knew what he was doing in your life? Some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority is given, has been given to me in heaven and earth. What, what is this right here? It's the Great Commission. Go there, therefore and, and make all disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded to you. And lo, I'm with you even unto the end of the age. And it seems that by the time when, when Jesus said this, this was really kind of like the, the pinnacle point, the, the turning point for these guys who were, who were unbelieved, who were still questioning God. Because when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost, just 10 days from here, or 10 days from the last appearance, which is you know, the 10th appearance, when Jesus is taken up into heaven, they, they believe Christ because, there's, because the Bible says that they would not receive the gifts if they doubted. That's what Jesus told them. Only these things will follow them that believe. So they got things straight after this. That's what's important about this meeting right here. Some still doubted. Jesus knew it. He made it a point. I'll meet you in Galilee. Now, our story is in John chapter 21, which is also in Galilee. And actually, the appearance in John chapter 21 is the seventh appearance. It's, it, it's the appearance right before he gave the Great Commission. So he appeared to them in the Great Commission in a mount in Galilee, but right before that, he meets them here on the sea, the Sea of Galilee. And what happened is a lot of people thought that, oh, maybe this is the meeting, that, that this was the meeting when, when uh, Jesus meets them after fishing on the Sea of Galilee here in John chapter 20. This is the promise he made. But see, there's, there's three things that tell us that's not. One is the promise was made to all disciples, all the apostles, and there's only seven apostles at the most here at this time. So that doesn't, that doesn't make it. The thing is that, that it was a significant meeting. He said, I'll meet you in Galilee. I'll meet you in Galilee. I'm telling you. Angels told them. Jesus told them. They've told five times, I'll meet you in Galilee. The only significance about what we're reading in John chapter 21 is with Simon Peter. Only one. When Jesus said it's really for all 12. So that's the other thing. The third thing is, is that Matthew and Mark talk about this meeting in Galilee, the meeting in Galilee. He's going to meet you in Galilee for something special. But they don't have this story here in John chapter 21. Only John has this story. So it wouldn't make sense that they give the promise, but they don't give the story to fulfill the promise. But both, both Matthew and Mark have the Great Commission where he meets him in Galilee. So something happened here. And I believe it's, I believe they didn't wait on God. I believe he got ahead of God. And they went into Galilee on their own. 
you see. And so we're going to read that passage and look at this. It says here in John chapter 21, verse 1 through 7, And these things Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Now that's John's word, or that's the term that he knew as the Sea of Galilee, same sea. And in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel, who's, also Bar- who's uh, Bartholomew also, of Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, there's James and John, and two other of his disciples were together. And Simon said to them, I go fishing. I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was, had, had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John the, that's John the Apostle, said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment because he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea, and he swam to Jesus. The hardest thing is to wait on God. So I want to talk to you about when we don't wait on God, when we get ahead of God. Bad things happen when you get ahead of God. Because sometimes you can take a road that God never intended you to take because you got up ahead. I'm just going to be pretty plain, right? You know, you can get ahead of God and get in a job you should never got into. You could have got ahead of God and got in a marriage he never intended. You could have got ahead of God and got in with some friends that you were never supposed to have. You got ahead of God. And that's when you got in trouble. Now, I don't want to throw stones at Simon Peter, but we know that Simon Peter, he is known for his impulse, opinion, and passion. Well, he's known for that. He's the one that said, hey, Lord, you might wash everybody else's feet, but you ain't going to wash my feet. Oh, Lord, you say you're going to go suffer? You ain't going to suffer. That ain't right, Lord. I ain't, that ain't going to happen. And Jesus had to rebuke him and say, get behind me, Satan. Simon Peter is the one that took out the sword and said, oh, no, you're not taking the Lord tonight. And he cuts off the high servant's, uh, ser- I mean, the, the ear of the high servant there in the, in the garden. That's Simon Peter. Impulse opinionated, passionate. And he always seems to get ahead of God. Now, in my mind, how I look at this, knowing how Simon Peter is, I see him justifying what he did. That's just how I I look at it. I kind of look at it on on the human standpoint of how I do it. We justify our actions. Whether the apostles knew that they were going to meet Jesus in the mountain that next day or whatever, so they went down to Galilee, and while Peter is sitting there, bored, whatever, he goes, I'm going fishing while we're here. I'm not going to wait around. Let's go ahead and go fishing. Maybe Jesus will meet us out, you know, I don't know. Or maybe if they were still all in Jerusalem, because we're not told exactly when this appearance happened, 
And he goes, you know what? I'm tired of hanging around. Seems like Jesus shows up about every Sunday. So we got a few days. So let's go ahead. I go fishing. Maybe the Lord will meet. Maybe, maybe you know, he says he's going to meet us in Galilee. So maybe he'll show up. I mean, isn't that what he told us that we were going to do? We justify what we do. I think that's what he did. Didn't Jesus tell us to meet him in Galilee? Well, I'm going to go fishing while I'm down there. Maybe he'll show up. Proverbs 14 says, there's a way which seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. Boy, there's a way that it seems right to me in my eyes, in my situation, what I'm going through, and it seems so right. But it's a path of destruction for me. But I don't want to wait on God. You know, when I don't wait on God, there's a selfish purpose behind it. I mask it with God talk, right? I'm, I've prayed. See, I, I've been praying about this, right? See, I, I just feel led to rob the bank. <laughs> okay. I've been praying a long time about this. We just mask it with God talk. But really, we have a selfish purpose. Simon Peter said, I go fishing. I go fishing. You know, some people fish for livelihood. Others live to fish, right? You know, I grew up, uh, I grew up in Florida. So, I mean, I was born there, and we, I went fish, fishing all the time. I went fishing during the summer. I went fishing during the winter on a bridge, off a dock, the beach, out in the gulf, on a boat. One time I got a brand new reel, man, brand new, because mine broke. And, and uh, we went out, we, when, the, when the people would go to work during the summer, when we know that, hey, Mr. Jones went ahead and went to work, let's go get on his dock. We'd go get on their dock, <laughs> you know, out there in the bay, and we'd fish off their dock while they're gone to work. And I put my rod and reel down there on the dock and we were doing something cutting some bait and you already cast it out you know and something big came along and zoom my brand new rod and reel just right off the dock into the bay gone fished all my life I'd rather have bleach poured in my eyes than go fishing I'll be honest with you I just did it because my friends did it it wasn't what I wanted to do. But see, this is what, this was Simon Peter's life. Fishing. It's his passion. And he wanted to do it. So I think he just made an excuse. Hey, Jesus is going to be, supposed to be down there. Let's go ahead and go down there. And I'll fish while I'm down there. We have a selfish purpose. But also we're influenced by others. Sometimes we let the lack of faith or the spiritual mindset or just bad advice from other people influence us to get out ahead of God, not wait on him. And that was some good, you know, like I said, we didn't tag team this, but man, that was some good songs about waiting on God and um, man, that uh, just be still. Be still and know. One of the verses said, um, I, I need to be quiet. I forget how it's worded, but he said, I, I need to not 
talk is I don't need to be heard is what he said, but I need to listen. But you know, sometimes we, we get influenced by other people. Now, again, the Bible is not about fluff. The Bible, uh, I said before, some people didn't get it, but it's not about the holy hand grenade, right? It's not about the holy hand grenade. They're, the reason the Bible is written the way it's written, there's purpose to it. Every word has a purpose. The way it's written, how God had these writers write, all for a reason. And here in John chapter 21, it says there in verse 3, it says, Simon Peter, and he names the people in this story. He says, Simon Peter, Thomas called the, the twin, Nathaniel, who's also Bartholomew, Canaan, of Canaan and Galilee, and the two sons of Zebedee, there's James and John, and then two others. Now, if you've read the Bible, you always know there's always just these three guys together, right? It's always Simon Peter and James and John, right? Only pastors, only one ever spoke up, right? Right? It's always Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John went up into the room with Jesus. And Peter, James, and John went up in the mountain with Jesus. And Peter, James, and John went with Jesus here. It's always Peter, James, and John. You always see these three guys together. Always Peter, James, and John. I mean, they grew up together. They actually, we understand, understand by the wording when it says in the Gospels that they actually had like a business together. They were fishermen together. And the four times that the Gospel names the apostles, Matthew chapter 10, Mark chapter 3, Luke chapter 6, and Acts chapter 1, after the resurrection, those four accounts of, of the apostles, they're always in a certain order. They're always put in a certain order. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew are always together. They're always the first four, and all four list. Peter, James, John, Andrew. The second list always starts with Philip. It's always Philip and three others, and then the last four, which in Judas is always the last one. You know, if you look in the Scripture, the Bible is written, the way the New Testament writers thought, lists kind of go like that. Usually the first of the list or the top of the list is kind of the most important, the head of the list, while as you go down becomes less and less important. The gifts are given that way. The offices in the church are given that way. It starts off with apostles, ends with teachers. You know, it's always given that way. Here, also, the apostles, always Peter, James, and John, and Andrew start off first, and then it goes on down. Thomas is somewhere in the middle of the second group. He's always in the second group, and he's always second, third, or fourth. That's his place. But here, it says Simon, Peter, and Thomas. Now, what's Thomas known for? Thomas is... Doubting Thomas. Now, you know why, again, not to throw stones again at Thomas, because we all doubt, but you know, whenever he, he wasn't there on the first appearing of Christ to the, to the apostles, when he met him in the upper room, he wasn't there. And when he showed up the second Sunday, that's why you should come to church, by the way. And it comes to the second Sunday, and they uh, appear there, and they tell, man, Thomas, Jesus showed up, and we saw him, and he did all he did. Wow, man, mind-blowing. And Thomas said, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. And when Jesus showed up and told him, hey, Thomas, look at my hands, look at my side. But Jesus said this to him. He said, and be not faithless, but believing. That's the word that Jesus used when he said, 
oh, you foolish and, I mean, a faithless and perverse generation. That's the same word. It's the same word that Paul used when he said, talked about unbelievers. This is the word he used, unfaithful, unbelieving. See, Thomas just wasn't ye of little faith. He was one of those guys that didn't believe Jesus knew what he was doing. And Peter, James, and John are in this story, but see, it's Simon Peter and Thomas. Doubton Thomas. And I just can imagine that old Doubton Thomas is putting some thoughts in Simon Peter's mind. Man, you really think, Lord, you know what he's doing? I mean, I mean, man, we've been waiting around. It's been a couple weeks, and yeah, we've seen a couple times, but I mean, you know, we're still hiding out in this house. What do you think, Simon Peter? You're right, man. You know, I'm going fishing. He said he's going to meet us in Galilee anyway. Maybe he'll meet. Maybe he'll be there. I don't know. But I'm going fishing. We let others influence us to get ahead of God. But not only that, you know what happens? Is then we influence somebody else. We influence others in our decision not to follow God. In verse 2, it says, And Simon Peter said to them, I go a fishing. They said to him, We're going with you. So now he's dragging six other guys. He didn't say, hey, guys, let us go fishing. He said, oh, I'm going fishing. They said, well, you know what? We're going with you. So seven fellas left the group and went fishing. In Romans chapter 14, Paul tells us, for none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. And then he goes on to say, but we should live and die unto the Lord. But he made a general statement. And I know there's exceptions to the truth, but the truth is you affect somebody. What you do and what you choose to do affects somebody. Someone's watching you. And whenever you get ahead of God, you're teaching them to get ahead of God. So we influence others when we get ahead of God. And you know what we also do? We act in our own strength. We act in our own strength. Now, if we go back to the very beginning, go back to the very beginning whenever the Lord at the baptism of John met Simon Peter for the first time, he tells him this in John chapter 1. Now, I have the names in there so you can understand who's, who's saying who to what, or what to who, I should say. It says, and he, Andrew, brought Peter to Jesus, him, Peter, to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, looked at Simon Peter, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated to stone. Now, Cephas is Aramaic. Peter is Greek. So, that, and that's what he, he ended up was calling much in the uh, Gospels. Right? Peter. But now three years later, when Simon Peter says, I go fishing, and drags these other guys, well, doesn't drag them, he influences the other guys to go with him, and they're down there fishing, and they don't catch anything, and Jesus comes to the shore and says, hey, children, have you, have you caught anything? And they say no, and then they find out it's Jesus. Peter swims to the shore. They find out there's coals, and there's fire, and there's fish. And they begin to drag the net up. No one really says anything to them because they don't, they kind of, they realize, man, we messed up. <laughs> no 
No one's like, hey, Lord, we knew you were going to. No, it's none of that. They're all like, oh, dang, we're in trouble now. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Simon, you know. No one said nothing, it said. Just sitting around, Lord sitting right there. Mm, boy. And that's what he says here in verse 15. Jesus says to him, he says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, called him his old name. That's the name he had when he first met him. Simon, son of Jonah, you love me? See, when we get out of ahead of God, we're acting in our own strength. It's an old man. It's our old flesh. It's us. It's me. It's I doing what I want to do. I make my decisions by what I think and my wisdom and my situation, how I know things. And that's what Simon Peter did. Simon, son of Jonah, you love me? Romans chapter 8, it says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. I like that word enmity, because enmity is stronger than just hate. Enmity denotes a strong, settled feeling of hatred. That's the carnal mind. And that's the mind that we use when we get ahead of God. So if you're praying for rain, God heard your prayers. There must be Elijah here in the church somewhere, I guess, praying for rain. You act in your own strength. But you know also what happens to us when we get ahead of God is we don't recognize God trying to work in our life. We don't recognize God showing up. Here in John chapter 21, almost the same exact circumstance circumstance that happened at the very first time when Jesus came to the Sea of Galilee and they were fishing and Jesus, of course, they already knew Jesus. They, had, they were already disciples of John and G Peter had already met Jesus there on Jordan. But that's when um, Jesus calls to Simon Peter and James and John and calls them to be fishers of men on, on that lake. The same exact situation where they had nets and they weren't catching fish and Jesus says, throw it on the other side and they caught a bunch of fish. It broke their net and Jesus said, I'm a, I mean, Peter said, I'm a sinful man, O Lord, depart from me. All that happened three years before and now look what happens here on the same sea again. He says here in John chapter 21, therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, said to Peter, it is the Lord now, when Peter heard that it was the Lord, see, he didn't know God showed up. He didn't realize. John did. But because John is kind of that spiritual, he has that spiritual connection with the Lord. But Simon Peter, again, is just didn't even realize God showed up. And that's what happens, you know, when we get away is that even when God shows up to try to draw us back, to try to get us back on track, we don't even realize it. We don't know he's there. Jesus trying to get your attention, trying to get my attention. Hey, come on back. Man, you got ahead of me. We don't even see it. 
God's working there and God's doing that. And this is happening here and this is falling apart there. That's going wrong. And you're like, man, where's the Lord? Well, he's right here. He's trying to get your attention. But we don't see it. We don't see it. Now, the last thing, though, is, is, is encouraging, and that is the solution is a change of heart. See, the solution is a change of heart. Now, here in this verse, chapter 21, verse 15, it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Now, to understand, again, how the New Testament person thought and how they kind of wrote things down, um, I thought there for a long time that this was, do you love me more than the fish? I really thought that. Because it's three times that Simon Peter goes back to fishing, you might say, or, or is pulled from fishing. The first time is whenever he hears about John the Baptist and he goes and follows John, you know, he, at least hears him preaching, gets baptized by John, meets Jesus out there on the Jordan River. That's when Jesus gives him the new name, calls him, you won't be called Simon, son of Jonah, you'll be called Peter. But Simon Peter goes back to fishing. He might have been a disciple of the Lord as far as following him. He might have went out and listened to him preaching as he went and preached around that area, but he went back to fishing. And the Lord comes back around on the sea, and again, that's when Jesus calls him and says, I'll make you fishers of men. Leave that stuff behind you. Come follow me. And that's when Simon, Peter, and John, and James, and Andrew threw all that away and put it down. Even though they already knew the Lord, and they met the Lord, they finally put it all down and went and followed him and became his apostles. That's the second time. And see, this is the third time. I go fishing. I'm going back to the old way. I'm going back with the old crowd, going back where I used to hang out. I'm going back to what I used to do. I'm tired of waiting. I'm going fishing. Three times. And that's what I really thought at first. That's what he was saying. Do you love me more than these, these fish? Because you keep going back to that. Keep going back, keep going back. But I'm really convinced it is the disciples, the other the disciples he's talking about, those men that are there with him. I think, I really am convinced that he's saying, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these men love me? Because that was really the problem with, with, with Peter. Because he thought he loved the Lord more than those men loved the Lord, right? Because when it came to washing his feet, he said, hey, Lord, you know what? You ain't going to wash my feet like you wash them because I love you more. I ain't going to let you do that. I love you more than they love you. He said, oh, Lord, these other men might let you suffer, but I'm not going to let you suffer, Lord. That is not going to happen to you. You are not going to die. Jesus rebukes him. Comes there that night. Oh, they're not going to let, no way, uh-uh. They might let uh, these people take you, Jesus, but I'm going to pull out this sword. I'm going to fight for you. I love you more than these men love you. I'm going to fight for you. Didn't Simon Peter say, Lord, all men might deny you, but I'm not going to deny you. I love you more than these men. So Jesus asked him, hey, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these men love me? And see, Simon Peter had to change of heart because the way he words it, he says, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he left off more than these. 
because he realized that he was proud. And they had a change of heart. That's why Jesus comes back with a second question and leaves out that more than these and says, Simon Peter, do, okay then, Simon Peter, do you love me? And that's when Simon Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. But then, Simon, then Jesus asked him the third time, and that's what got G, uh, Simon Peter because he thought he answered it right. He thought, Lord, you know, I'm not telling you I love you more than these men. I just, I just tell you I love you. But the Lord says, Simon, do you love me more? Do you, do you love me? Is what he said. And then Simon Peter broke and said, Lord, you know I love you. Because Simon Peter didn't catch that God was trying to, the three times he denied him, he's trying to, see, to get him to see, hey, Simon, then follow me and feed my sheep. Do what I want you to do. Get on the path I want you to get on. Do the thing I want you to do. Follow me. Feed my sheep. You're supposed to, that's supposed to be your job. What are you doing down here fishing? A change of heart. That's the solution. A change of heart. <clears throat> you know, repentance is a change of heart that changes your direction. See, changing your mind doesn't usually change, doesn't change your direction. But a change of heart changes the direction you're going. That's repentance. Now, we had this men's Bible study, and I know they've been having a great women's Bible study. We've had a fantastic men's Bible study. We've had like 13, 14, 15 men show up. Now, the women, they always have that, you know? But, I mean, it's been a good, and it's been a good study. It's been good. And the thing this man said that has stuck with me, he said, you know what? You cannot change what you've said, but you can repent. You can't change what you've done, but you can repent. You can't change the harm you've caused, but you can repent. You can't undo the past, but you can repent. You can change your heart. That changes your direction. In Lamentations chapter 3, God says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. In Philippians chapter number 4, it says, Not that I speak in regard to need, Paul says, for I have learned that in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, means to be low. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can wait on God. I can wait for the Lord. Because you know how we are? We're like Walter. Talking over God. Talking over God. God trying to speak to us. I ain't going to hear you talking over God. God trying to explain. God trying to, if you just listen, if you just wait, if you just be quiet and be still, I can, I'm talking over God. Because I want to do what I want to do. And we get ahead of the Lord. We make a mess of things. So I encourage you, church, visitor, don't get ahead of God. Wait on the Lord. Be still and know that he will direct your path and strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just again thank you. As I always say all the time, Lord, you are the God of first chances and second chances and third chances and fourth chances. You're a God of 
unlimited chances. As long as we have breath, we have a chance. And God, I pray that you, would my, you might um, direct us and help us, Lord, to see where we've gone astray. We've got off the path. We got ahead of you and made decisions based on what we think and what we feel and, and our own wisdom. Lord, help us, God, to change our heart, which changes our direction, and look to you and trust you that you will take care of us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.